Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 24th of October, 2023, as we've got some really, really late night hockey tonight, as the Flyers will be in Vegas to take on the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. The game tonight, get a nap in today, everybody. The game tonight, 11 o'clock. I guess it's part of an ESPN doubleheader, and uh, it's going to be our first Flyers very after dark, maybe even turning into Flyers before dawn. Flyers Daily is presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Also, you know, for every assist the Flyers have this season, the Flyers have teamed up with Penn Medicine for the Penn Medicine assist. Now, for every Flyers assist, Penn Medicine and the Flyers are going to be donating 30 pounds of food to local communities in need. So we're always looking for a primary and a secondary apple on all Flyer goals. So uh, hopefully we see a good amount of those tonight. We're going to get into the particulars of this game tonight. Vegas off to a great start to the season, picking up right where they left off after they hoisted the cup, proving that if you live in Vegas, I guess there's no hangover after winning the Stanley Cup. And the Flyers go tonight and uh, look to get a win after an overtime loss against the Dallas Stars. A, a very impressive game, especially for the PK, 3 Shorthanded goals in the game, two by Travis Konechny, who leads the Flyers in scoring right now. He's leading the way with seven points in five games. He's got five goals and two assists on the season, two shorthanded goals as well, both in that same game. Scott Lawton and uh, Sean Couturier, and also Travis Sanheim, second in scoring with four points. Lawton, all assist. Couturier's got a goal and three assists, and Travis Sandheim's got four assists, followed by Sean Walker. I didn't know when the Flyers acquired Sean Walker he'd give you some offense, but he's got two goals on the season, three points. Igor Zamula, who's only played in three of the five games, has got three points. Farabee has three goals already in the young season. Bobby Brink's got a couple of points. Noah Cates has got a couple of points. So does Owen Tippett. So uh, the Flyers in Vegas tonight. Let's tell the tail of the tape. Like I said, Vegas has started off to a 6-0 and start this season. They're in the top spot in their division uh, with that undefeated record. In goals four, let's kind of match the two teams up here. They're fifth in the NHL, scoring an average of four goals a game. Now, these numbers, this is only five games in for the Flyers, six games in for Vegas. So, very small sample size in, in the sport of hockey, all said and done. But still, early, here early in the season, these are the facts. They average Four goals per game, fifth in the NHL. Flyers are 16th in goals for per game at 3.2. Goals allowed. Vegas, you can see why this Vegas team by these numbers is 6-0. Fourth in goals allowed. Fourth least in goals allowed at 1.83 goals allowed per game. Flyers 10th in the NHL at three or 2.6 goals per game allowed. Power play for Vegas. They're ninth in the NHL at 27.3%. Flyers, this is not an area where they've been good. They only have the one power play goal. It was on a five-on-three. They need to get that straightened out. I think they've actually had some pretty decent-looking power plays and created some good opportunities, but ultimately, you've got to be able to finish on the power play as well. Hasn't really stung them yet, but they're only at 5.6%. That's 30th in the NHL. Penalty kill for Vegas, also ninth. They are killing penalties at 88.9%. Flyers 12th at 82.4%. And when you look at shots allowed, Vegas 7th least amount of shots allowed per game at 28 shots. But the Flyers really doing a good job of shot suppression. 27.6, that's the 4th least amount of shots per game in the NHL. Again, it's early in the season, so you take these numbers with a grain of salt. 
But I think in watching the games as well, the big reason why the Flyers are giving up the fourth least amount of shots per game in the NHL is that they've had the puck more and they're not defending nearly as much as they had in the past. So that's a good thing. I don't gauge a whole heck of a lot by shots, but I mean, the byproduct of that is that they've had the puck, they're exiting their zone quicker, and they're spending more time in the offensive zone. And you can see some structural changes as well that John Tortorella's made and and how they attack in the neutral zone and how quickly they go to the attack in the neutral zone. And I think we're seeing the that bear fruit. Plus, you know, good off-the-rush attempts. You know, Owen Tippett to Cam Atkinson in that Edmonton game gets right in on Evan Bouchard, creates a turnover, and then throws a, a great backhand pass net front, and Atkinson deflects it home. You know, the play that Owen Tippett made to Atkinson again behind the Edmonton Oilers defense in that game when he had a, an easy, you know, headman the puck play to Sean Couturier, but he makes a great pass to Atkinson who goes in and scores. You look in the game against Dallas, and other than the shorthanded goals where Konechny gets one on a breakaway and just beats Scott Wedgwood, and then the other one where he's directing traffic from behind, and obviously the Sean Walker goal. The thing about Sean Walker is on both of his goals, he recognized when possession changed and that the danger of the opposition being offensive is over, and he gets himself up ice and makes himself an option on both his goals. The first one down the left side, the second one shorthanded down the right side. I really like the way he's reading the game. I didn't know much about Sean Walker before this year, admittedly so, uh, but so far in five games, he's he's looked like a, a very steady player for the Flyers. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to score 40 goals, even though that's the pace kind of technically he's on right now, about 38 goals. Uh, he's not going to do that, but he's a, a right-handed guy, and he's been really steady back there. And with the two goals, that's great, but I like the way that he has defended more than anything else, and the Flyers have defended a lot better. And I think that's probably a byproduct of Torts' year number two as we go through this rebuild. And that's the other topic of conversation I want to talk about because I've been seeing a lot of stuff on uh, on social media, and I actually ran into a guy at my local Wawa and asked me, you know, do we want the team to be winning games? And I've seen that sentiment a lot. You know, what team wants to win games when they're in a rebuild? You know, how does Danny Breer say, we're in a rebuild, but we want the team to go out there and be competitive and win games? Isn't that kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face? No, it's not. When I look around the NHL and I look at some of the teams, now this is early in the season, so I'm not going to judge a lot by it. But when you look at the standings right now, some teams are off to a good start that have gone through rebuilds, and they've attacked it in much different ways. I look at the teams first that outwardly tried to lose or, or put an inferior product on the ice. I think Buffalo was in that camp for a lot of years. They have a lot of good pieces. They haven't made the playoffs in, I think, 13 years now. Not off to the greatest start this year at 2-3, and three, sitting in the bottom spot in the Atlantic Division. You look at a team you know, like Ottawa. Did they ever truly bottom out? They've gotten some really good pieces and drafted well, Brady Kachuk and others. You know, is that a team that, you know, tried to lose? I don't know if I would go that far. Um, I look at a team like the Boston Bruins who, you know, you lose Patrice Bergeron. A lot of people were pouring dirt on the Boston Bruins going into this year. They're off to a 5-0 and start. I mean, that's unbelievable. That I mean, that's a team plus 9 in goal differential. Brad Marchand, taking in the third round. Charlie McAvoy, their stud defenseman. McAvoy, 
25th overall in the 2014 draft. Or how about, or that's, excuse me, David Pasternak was taken 25th overall in the 2014 draft. I mean, he's one of the best scorers in the league. They didn't have to draft in the top three to get David Pasternak. They didn't have to draft in the top 10 to get Charlie McAvoy in 2016 when they got him 14th overall. They didn't truly bottom out. And they're one of the best teams in the NHL year in, year out. Let's look at another one of the hot teams in the Atlantic. Getting a lot of praise right now, and that's the Detroit Red Wings. Of course, we know Steve Eiserman was the initial architect behind that uh, Tampa Bay Lightning team that was just unbelievable, winning cups behind that great goaltending of Vasilevsky, the great D play of Victor Hedman, and you look at the depth they had on D with McDonough and others, and then up front, obviously, Stamkos when he was healthy, and Braden Point, and Nikita Kucherov, Palat, on and on and on. We know he's the architect of those teams, but he's been in Detroit now for a few years and going through the rebuild, and they've had some pretty bad seasons. Detroit, they didn't have any lottery luck at all. Matter of fact, if you go back to 2017, when the Flyers moved up to two and the Devils moved up to one, they had a horrific, I think they were 31 points in the rears to the second worst team in the league. And in that year, they ended up getting a pretty good player, not at the very top of the draft. So Detroit, in 2019, they draft Moritz Sider, sixth overall. They drafted Dylan Larkin, 15th overall in 2014. Both are off to great starts. Lucas Raymond was a fourth overall pick. In 2020, they get Alex Dabrinkit, who wants to go home and play for his hometown team. Of course, played in Chicago, had some good years there, playing with Patrick Kane, then went to Ottawa, wasn't happy there. Now he's back home in a place where he wants to be. And he's off to a phenomenal start this season. I worry about them in net. Billy Husso, James Reimer, Alex Lyon, are they good enough in net? I don't think so, but Detroit's the team that didn't outwardly tank. Look in the Metropolitan Division. A lot of people point to the New York Rangers a lot of times, and they say, well, they sent the letter out to the fans. They tore it down. Did they tear it down? Yeah, they got rid of some pieces. But they also kept some pieces, like Kreider, like Zabanajad. Adam Fox wanted to go there, forced his way there. Great defenseman. They traded for Jacob Truba. Panarin only wanted to go to one place, New York City. So their rebuild was accelerated in a huge way because of some circumstance and that people wanted to play in the city of New York. I don't, I don't even really recall like there being a whole lot of pain with their rebuild at all. Look at Carolina, one of the best teams in the NHL. They're not off to a great start. When you look at Carolina and the core key guys on that team, yes, Svechnikov was taken second overall in a, a 2018. He's never had more than 69 points in a season, second overall pick. But Sebastian Ajo, who's really the best player on the team, at least up front, was a second-round pick, 35th overall in the, 20, in the 2015 draft. Martin Natchez was a 12th overall pick in 2017. So, I mean, you look at it and you go, do you really need to bottom out? Yeah, I get you. In theory, the higher your draft position, the better player you'll get. But it just doesn't pan out consistently enough for teams that are really good. Toronto, there was pain. They bottomed out. They drafted Matthews. They drafted Marner. They've gotten past the first round one time with that group. So I I just, again, the notion of trying to lose games or fielding a team that 
you don't want to win. So you can get one more high draft pick to combine with Cutter Gauthier, with Mafe Michkov, and with some of the other young players, whether that be Owen Tippett, Cam York, and Noah Cates, on and on. You know, if you want the, this team to not perform well, then the goaltending of Carter Hart would have to regress significantly. Players like Travis Konechny would have to regress. Players like Owen Tippett would not be able to take that next step. To lose, players have to be worse. They can't be better and lose. So the notion of trying to field a team that is inferior because you want to get one more top three, top five, Michkov was taken seventh, but one more of those picks, it just doesn't wash. The Dallas Stars never outwardly tanked. They're one of the best teams in the West. You look at other teams in the West, like the Vancouver Canucks. They never, now they didn't make the, haven't made the playoffs in a while. They haven't been very good. They look like they might be a better team this year. L.A., really good team, won a couple of cups, didn't tear it all the way down. Kopitar's still there. They moved a lot of those pieces, whether it be Jeff Carter and many others, still have Drew Doughty, turned over their goaltending, drafted guys like Byfield and others, and, and that's a team that's right back on it. So the notion of, you know, should the team be winning games or being conflicted at the results we've seen so far this season? Don't get bogged down in that. The Edmonton Oilers had four number one overall picks in six years. Yeah, they have Connor McDavid. He's the best player in the world. He's hurt right now, unfortunately. Leon Dreisaitl, another one of the best players in the world, wasn't taken number one overall. Now, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who was the number one overall pick, they took Nail Yakupov with a number one overall pick. That didn't work out. They also took uh, a Taylor Hall with a number one overall pick. Has been moved a couple of times in the last couple of years, Boston last year, and now with the Chicago Blackhawks. So drafting at the very top of the draft is almost just as much of a crapshoot as it is to draft between 5 and 12. And again, I look at the Bruins. I go David Pasternak, 25th overall. One of the best scorers in this league. Charlie McAvoy, a guy that's a perennial Norris candidate, was drafted 14th overall. I mean, you can get players. you got to have a standard. you got to have a culture. And hoping for losses... That losing mentality and accepting it is something you cannot just wash off your hands. I hope soon we don't even have to have these conversations anymore. I really do. But this is something that's still being talked about when the Flyers get off to a pretty good start this season. I mean, you look at Vegas. Obviously, it's very different for Vegas. They're an expansion team. They had, along with Seattle, the same expansion team rules. But when you look at Vegas... And you look at the way they won the cup. Did they have, I mean, they don't have, Jack Eichel was the number one overall pick. They traded for him. But also last year, Eichel had 66 points in, in 67 games. It wasn't a point per game player. I'm not saying Travis Konechny is a better player than Jack Eichel. Konechny had 63 points in 61 games. Chandler Stevenson last year had 65 points in 81 games. Their leading point getter was Eichel at 66 points. Not a hundred. <clears throat> Not a 120-point guy or anything like that. March or so had 57. Riley Smith. They got a great defenseman in Alex Petrangelo, who had 54 points from the blue line. Plays a ton of minutes, about 24 minutes a night. But you get good contributions from guys like Mark Stone, who had 38 points in 43 games. 
but they have depth, and they're a team that can roll at you. That's why they were successful in the playoffs. So having the shiniest toy out there doesn't equate to winning. Having a collective team that fits from a salary cap standpoint, an on-ice product standpoint, uh, contracts, all those things is what matters. And here's the deal. This is the deal. As an organization, no matter what sport it's in, you have to have a culture. You have to have a DNA, and you have to have, as Torts calls it, a standard. You look at the, the great franchises in sport, the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you see a player, you go, I know that guy is a Pittsburgh Steeler. If a guy gets drafted there and doesn't fall in line with the, the Pittsburgh Steeler way, bye-bye, he's gone. You have to have a cultural standard. It looks like the Flyers are getting back to that with Dan Helferty, Keith Jones, Danny Briere, John Tortorella, and that is a big thing. They're off to a good start. Enjoy it. That's all I'm saying. Vegas tonight. Vegas, baby. In Vegas, late night hockey, 11 o'clock. It's going to be a late night for us, but uh, we will break down Flyers, Vegas, Golden Knights. We'll see if the Flyers can put the first blemish on the record of the Vegas Golden Knights and rebound from that OT loss against the Dallas Stars uh, from Saturday night. So we'll break it down tomorrow. Join us then on a brand new Flyers Daily.